Have a good time. By the way, we are always looking for folks to help out with Children's Church and Waterway 2-5. And so if you are a person who just loves being around kids, uh, there's never, ever just one person over there. There's always multiple adults that are helping out. And so if that's something that you would like to do, you can talk to Pastor Steve over here and he can get you connected to the right people. Also, Chris Zander is in the room. Where is Chris right now? Actually, he might not be in the room. He, oh, there he is, right in the middle. Sorry, Chris, I'm, I missed you, brother. Um, so Chris is there in the middle too, and he can get you connected. If you'd ever like to help out by being in the nursery or helping out in the toddler class or with Waterway 2-5 or Children's Church, we're always glad to kind of help get people plugged in. And so um, it is, uh, it's good to be able to work at these things together today. And I just have one quick kind of announcement for you. Um, I got two prayer requests or, or two requests in the prayer box last week that were anonymous. Um, but people said, uh, I'm concerned about security at the church and, and I want to feel safe at the church. And, but I don't know who you were. So I'm not going to talk about all those things and all those plans here publicly. And hello, those of you online, I'm glad that you are watching too. But if you have any concerns about any of those things, we do have plans in place and we do have um, some thoughts about how to deal with things if something really terrible were to happen here. If you'd like to, uh, if you'd like to talk more about that, talk to me. Okay, but we will also discuss that for a moment at our business meeting in March, just so that we can talk about that sort of in-house and people can understand what we are and are not willing to do to, uh, to try to allow ourselves to be safe while we're here. Now, we started here in 2023, another year of our Lord, as Reuben reminded us. We started the year by studying Jesus' declaration to repent for the kingdom of heaven is come near. This kingdom of heaven thing is, is going to be a theme that we follow for the next number of weeks. But for the past few weeks, we've been thinking about what it means to live as citizens of God's kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 18, the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he says, For through him, that is Jesus, we both, the Jews and the Gentiles, so that covers everybody, Jewish people and people who are not Jewish, through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. It says in Ephesians 2.19, Consequently, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In other words, we all, when we come to Jesus Christ, we are part of God's household and we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Those are the ones who went before us to help to, to continue to talk about the faith and build the church. And Christ Jesus is the cornerstone. That is, he's in the middle of it all, holding it all together. It says in Ephesians 2.21 that in Christ, the whole building, that is those who are part of the household of God, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in the Lord, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I like that last line, especially Ephesians 2.22. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are being built together to be a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I've seen a number of signs of the spirit at work the last number of weeks in you. 
Some of you remember back in December that Bridge of Hope shared with us. Bridge of Hope helps to uh, alleviate homelessness, especially um, with single mothers and their children. Um, But we talked in December about anyone who might be interested in volunteering with Bridge of Hope to serve a family facing homelessness here in Southern Chester County. One or two of you came forward with interest in being kind of neighborhood volunteers, but I'm embarrassed to say I forgot to write your names down and it has gone right out. But the folks from Bridge of Hope are still putting together a team. They'd like to have five to seven people from the Oxford area to be able to work together. So if you are interested in helping out with Bridge of Hope and and helping folks who are experiencing homelessness to get home, not homeliness, homelessness, if you're interested in helping them to get placed, please talk to me. I have paper and a note taking pen today. I will write your name down. Also, I happen to know that there was a a men's trip to Virginia this past Thursday. Kevin, would you give us, since since a couple of weeks ago, you came forward and and told us about this trip that was going to happen uh, on Thursday. Would you just give us a quick report? I got the, I received a couple of videos and pictures. It sounded like there was a lot of movement happening. Would you just tell us a little bit, what was that trip like? Well, it started out with just an idea not too many weeks ago, and it amazed me how it turned out. we started talking about it a little bit, and then the thought came that, well, maybe we need a bigger mode of transportation. I think Wilmer had suggested, why not talk to Pastor Steve? And Steve graciously jumped in full force, <laughs> and uh, he wound up being our bus driver, helped uh, coordinate a number of things. Really appreciate that. Uh, just one, a few observations. Uh, when it came time to get on the bus, not the train, our conductor would say, all aboard. <laughs> and people really, people that did not know Steve before really enjoyed that trip. <laughs> and uh, What about the people that did know Steve before? Did they? Oh, they did, did too. They enjoy, okay, okay, just making sure. <laughs> And just another observation, at one point I had the thought that everyone that was on that bus was there because a friend had asked them. Hmm. And I thought that was pretty special. And look around here in this room, uh, we have a lot of friends. And I think of the, the statement that pity the man or person that when they fall down has no one to pick them up. Hmm. We have friends good friends. And that's, you know, we had a lot of prayer requests this morning. There's friends here to help anyone that's struggling. And of course, our friend in Jesus. And another thing was just sort of the, the spread of uh, men that went. Everything from young boys that the energy lasted till we got off the bus here in the evening to ones that slept most of the way home. <laughs> so it was a good time. If you have an idea to do something, go for it. Um, I'm just amazed how it went. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, it's, it's exciting to... Can I add a word to that? I suppose so. Oh, boy. Uh, Hold that it, mic up. It was amazing. Talk. We had 39 male adults and four juvenile adult uh, children, right? I would say the juvenile maximum age was seven, mm-hmm. right? So as we're getting ready to pull out, 
Steve gives a little briefing about, it's going to take five hours to get there. And we had a little prayer, and Steve says, in the back of the bus is a cooler with water in it and a couple bags of complimentary snacks. Complimentary, that's free. Mm -hmm. Right. I like those. Uh Uh-huh. So about 30 minutes into the trip, the four juveniles get up and go to the back of the bus. Pretty soon, they're coming back up the aisle. Would you like a water? How about a snack? And how about a licorice stick? I don't like black licorice. Mm. But as the kid passed, I saw it was strawberry licorice. I love strawberry licorice. (laughs) Right, so next trip, I get strawberry licorice. Mm -hmm. Well, they took us all the way down. You know, we had a rest stop about halfway down. And coming back, the boys did the same thing. And I took a bottle of water. And I said, thank you very much. And the boy's standing there. And I went, uh, what else? He says, I want to be paid. <laughs> I said, um, this is complimentary. That means free. The kid goes, oh. And he disappears. Well, I got thinking about it, you know, at the end of the trip, coming home, it's customary to pass the hat for a tip for the bus driver, Uh right? And uh, we were getting ready to leave. It's 3 o'clock. We were there five hours. And we did a head count, and two male adults were missing. Uh One was my favorite son-in-law. Right, and he says, Dad but I'm your only son-in-law. I said, well, that's why you're my favorite, right? So anyway, that gave us, Steve had to go in and get him. Mm-hmm. He got him. That gave us a chance to get this tip envelope mm-hmm. around the bus. Steve gets on with the two st- uh, <laughs> runaways, and he says, okay, and uh, Kevin handed him the envelope with the tip money in it. And I got thinking about it. On the way home, these little boys really took good care of us. Hmm. They kept me hydrated. They kept me in the strawberry licorice. Well, you got to have your licorice. Every time. I'm known for buying a pack, hiding it in my car. Mm -hmm. And over the course of a couple weeks, I eat the whole thing. Well, as the fathers of those boys here, the four boys... You welcome down here, please. Wow, we're uh, we're getting quite a crowd today, uh, aren't we? We are going to. All right. But it only takes a couple more minutes. Uh, the fathers of the four boys are there. I got thinking about that, and I secretly passed an envelope to get tips for the boys. Okay. So we didn't have time to take care of this on the bus. Okay. Right. So I took it home and I added it all up and divided by four. And I have tips for the boys. All right. Okay, so there's one there. And there's one there. And there's one there. Now Friday, Friday night I got thinking, they really took good care of me. Mm-hmm. Right? I want to do something back to show that I cared 
that they really took care of me. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, I'm going to double it. All right. I'm taking it out of my own pocket. I'm going to match it dollar for dollar. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> we have another one. And there. So I thank you very much. I had a great time. Those boys were a hoot. You know, they took care of us, and along the way, they also gave us quite a few laughs. I'll bet they did. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> Who was the other boy? I'll make sure they get it. Boy, uh, fathers, maybe, maybe have your boys invest in some red licorice and water bottles. <laughs> And uh, the tip can be a whole lot bigger next time. Well, hey, it's amazing to see the Spirit at work. You, you never know. You never know who's going to be touched and how. But you just heard a story and a testimony of how just a simple thing, like bringing a bottle of water and, and bringing some liquors with a good spirit can touch a person. It's fun to see the Spirit move that way. It's fun to remember that we too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I had one more, um, one more little testimony I wanted to ask about. Alyssa, would you share with us just for a moment? And, and I put Alyssa on the spot today. Uh, Alyssa is studying at the Montana Wilderness School of the Bible. I saw her in the lobby this morning. I said, I know there's one or two people kind of sharing testimonies today. I didn't realize you were home this week until I saw you here. And so I said, I want to hear from Alyssa. What's going on? Can you give us a, a, just a minute or two about how is the spirit moving in you as you grow to become a vessel for God? Yeah, um, so one of the really cool things that I really appreciate about, about being at the school is like there's 70 odd students who are all there to pursue God. So like the conversations we get to have are super cool about class and what we're learning and even just what God's teaching us through our quiet time with him. Uh, one of the fun things that the staff started second semester, um, one of the guys, his name is Lowell, weird name, what can you say? Um, Sorry to all the lols of the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's showing a sermon series. It's called Gospel Treason. Every Tuesday morning starts at 6 a.m. Um, so, you know, Tuesday mornings, getting up at 540. Not what I'm about. But, hey, it's been really good. It's about um, the idols of, our, of your heart um, and, like, the sin that is driving the obvious sin in your life. And so it's been really cool um, to be learning about that and have the Holy Spirit convicting me of... Uh, sinful thoughts and desires instead of just um, actions because it's really easy to go oh I got mad at that person that was wrong but usually it's not just a problem of anger it's what you're idolizing what you're putting before God um, so it's been a really cool time to think about that um, yeah that's uh, oh and I'm reading this book it's called Gospel Fluency and it's super cool it's about how we should have a gospel-centered life and um that should be in our conversations with each other and daily, and like we should be pointing each other back to Christ and to the gospel um, in our lives. So, yeah. So, Alyssa recommends gospel fluency. Yeah, I do. The author is? Uh, Jeff Vander something or another. <laughs> Look up Jeff Vander and Amazon.com will fill in the rest. Probably. And thank you, Alyssa. Yep. It's good to hear what God is doing, what the Spirit's up to. Thank you for asking me. For sure, for sure. In the Lord, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
One final report, uh, last weekend I was not here. I was in Clinton County at a place called the Ponderosa Lodge. There were 22 other men there. Uh, from the course of the weekend, from Thursday night till Sunday at lunchtime, we had 10 sessions where we learned about what does it mean to really live with God, live for God, and hear from God. Um, so 23 men went through those 10 sessions. After six of those sessions, um, we spent from 45 minutes to an hour in like a quiet reflection time. Some guys outside, there was snow on the ground, it was cold, it was beautiful. Um, others inside in, in a more warm spot. But um, a lot of time for men to take a break from whatever regular life looks like and listen to God. And I will tell you that as we were seeking to hear God's voice, we heard testimony after testimony of God showing up in the hearts and minds of those men who were there. Um, powerful stuff. Thank you for allowing me to be part of that. Um, we just had a wonderful time. If you'd like to talk to anybody else about it, uh, Chad Stolzhus was there and two rows behind him. Dave Plourd was also there. Um, it was a blessed time together. Now, I need to address uh, a detail. <clears throat> two weeks ago, I made an error in quoting Jesus when talking about communion. What I said as we were getting ready for communion was I, I said that the bread is like his body and the cup is like his blood. But Jesus did not say that. If you look either in Luke chapter 22 or in 1 Corinthians, you can see that Jesus said, this is my body. In fact, the exact quote is this. In Luke 22, verse 19, it says that Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, as I was reflecting on this, I got a couple notes from a few of you that, that maybe I had misquoted that, and I appreciate those notes very much because it's important that we are very careful as we deal with the Scripture. We certainly don't want to bend it or break it. We don't want to misquote Christ or the Scripture, and so we want to be accurate in how we talk about things. And, and what I was trying to express was what Jesus meant when he talked about the bread being his body, when he said exactly that the bread is his body. Now, those of you who love theology, you know the quicksand that I might be stepping into, don't you? Some traditions, did any of you grow up in the Catholic Church? Any of you devout, some, some of you will remember, you know the word transubstantiation? Have you heard that spoken? This is the idea most predominant in the Catholic tradition that says that when in communion, when we eat the bread and drink the cup, it literally, and I use that word very carefully, I despise it when people carelessly use the word literally. I'm so glad that seems to be going out of style. <laughs> but some traditions, especially the Roman Catholics, subscribe to this idea of transubstantiation, the substance of the bread and the cup transforms. And they believe and they teach that the bread and cup literally become the body and blood of Jesus when we eat it and drink it. When we hold it, it is bread and, in their case, wine. But when you drink it, it transforms into literally being flesh and blood being eaten. I had that in mind as I was trying to describe communion. Now, there are Lutherans and some others who promote consubstantiation. Consubstantiation is this idea that the body and blood of Christ are really present with the bread and the cup, but the bread and cup stays bread and juice or wine. It doesn't change its 
character. It doesn't change its physical makeup, but that the, the body of Christ is all wrapped around it. The blood of Christ is all wrapped around it. And so there is something that, that is additional to bread and wine that is being consumed. Now we and, and many others see the bread and juice as actual bread, actual juice or wine, depending upon the transition or the, the tradition in the setting. But we see the bread and the juice as actual bread and juice, but as powerful symbols of Christ's body and blood and the new covenant that he introduced. Could it be that Jesus changes the bread into his body and the cup into his blood as we drink it? Well, it is possible that that could happen. I mean, Jesus changed water into wine before, right? Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes Jesus can accomplish anything he wants to. And it's a long, deep conversation that's been hashed out for 2,000 years, but what I would just tell you is that what I am attempting to teach here and what we attempt to teach here is that the bread is like the body of Christ. But Jesus said, this is my body, right? What do we do with that? How do we deal with that? How do we deal with these words where it says that Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It's interesting. In, in studying the kingdom of heaven, if you, if you type in to a, to a word search program on your computer, the kingdom of heaven, you will find hundreds of verses in scripture that talk about the kingdom of heaven. I was drawn to just... Six references, in fact, seven references in Matthew 13 alone. Jesus, in talking about heaven in Matthew 13, said that the kingdom of heaven is like, and then there were these seven different things. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed seed. And there's a whole parable that goes with that. It's like a mustard seed that grows into a large tree. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast mixed into dough. It is like treasure hidden in a field. It is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. It is like a net that caught all kinds of fish. It is like the owner of a house who brings treasures out of his storehouse. These are all similes. Do you remember from 10th grade English what a simile is? It's a comparison using the words like or as. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like that. Jesus often spoke in those similes, but he also used metaphors. That's a comparison that doesn't have like or as there. These are figures of speech that he uses. And, and one of the challenging things is navigating. These figures of speech cannot be taken literally all the time. What I said, I quoted Jesus to say, this is like my body. He didn't say that. And I'm sorry for being in error there. But I, but I believe that, that what I was trying to get at is something that we need to keep in mind the bread that we eat is like the body of Christ. It sustains us, it fills us, and it reminds us of him. It is a symbol of him. So Jesus speaks in metaphors and similes all the time. In John chapter 6, if you have your Bible with you, open to John chapter 6. We're going to spend the rest of our time there today. Jesus continues talking about, or in fact, in a different spot, he talks about being the bread. Jesus often makes comparisons, tells parables to deliver his point. In John 6, 35, it says that Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, how do we deal with these words of Jesus? Because Jesus is clearly not literally bread, right? He's not made of wheat and yeast baked in an oven, etc. It sounds ridiculous to say it, but 
This is how we try to sort these things out, right, as we study. There's also here in John 6, 35, there's this claim from Jesus. He says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, do you know anyone who has ever believed in Jesus Christ who became hungry? I do. Do you know anyone who's ever believed in Jesus Christ but became thirsty? I do. But what's he talking about? He's talking about in the spiritual realm. He says, I will fill you. I will fill your heart. I will give you sustenance. I am the bread of life. But these things, we need to be careful how we talk about them, and I need to be careful how I say them. But let's look at a little bit more context so we can understand what Jesus is saying here. In John chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 28. In the beginning of John chapter 6, it tells the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and just a few fish. And then soon after that in John chapter 6, we, we see this story about Jesus and the lake. And, and it's worth reading, so go home and read that. But in John chapter 6 verse 28... People crowded around him again, and they, they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? In other words, people are around Jesus, and they, they have a hotline to God, right? They have a connection right there. The question and answer genius is right in front of them. So they say, God, what do we need to do? Alyssa, I appreciate so much what you talked about. You know, we have our sins that we commit. There are the things that we do but also there is the heart and the motivation behind them that also must be addressed. These people are saying, not so much, where does our heart have to be? What they're asking, what must we do? Jesus answered, verse 29, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus says to them, the most important thing that you can do, the work of God is to believe. There's an interior thing that happens, right? There's this consent that we give to say, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. And so they ask him, verse number 30, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? In other words, they say, Jesus, what must we do? He says, you need to believe. They said, prove it. Prove it. And if you ever said, prove it, I hope you do. Any of you ever have a salesman try to sell you something? It'll pick out every stain. It'll make, prove it. Show me. Right? They ask him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? Forgetting that just days before he had actually multiplied five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. That seems like a pretty good sign, but they had, they had gotten beyond themselves. They said, what will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to these folks, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Here you see Jesus talking about different breads, right? We're talking about manna. We're talking about bread from heaven, which Jesus claims to be. It says in verse 33, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He's talking about himself. Sir, they said, they're not getting it. They're still hung up, these Jewish people still hung up on the, on the manna in the, in the desert 1,500 years ago, still wondering about what it is they can eat. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then in verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never 
be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Jesus speaking to these people, he says, I am the bread of life. I can give you all that you need. I can fill you up. You remember in another place, the scripture tells us that we cannot live by bread alone. But here Jesus is using the metaphor to say, but with me, you can have real life. I am the bread of life. Come to me, you'll never go hungry in your spirit. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty in your spirit. He says, I can give you all you need. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. There are people who see Jesus at work and they hear testimony after testimony. There are even those who watched him feed 5,000 people with what came out of one kid's lunchbox and still said, show us more. Prove it again. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you've seen me, and still you do not believe. Verse 37 of John chapter 6. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Jesus says, you come to me, and, and, and I am your Savior. He says, I'm not going to push you away. Verse 38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Jesus says, God wants it so that those who believe in Jesus will be raised up at the last day, will have new hope and new life. Jesus says, I will not drive them away, but everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. And then if we jump down a few verses, we see in verse 47, Jesus says, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And now Jesus says it again in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Who eat, whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus says, I am giving my body that you may be saved. Verse 52, then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And isn't that quite a question? How do we eat the flesh of Christ? There are some, as we talked about earlier, who said, well, we do that in communion. The, the bread turns into his flesh and the, the cup turns into his blood. Others said, no, we don't eat it that way. It's, it's more of his, his, his body is all around the bread and, and his blood is all around the cup. And so it's, it's all around it as we take it in. And so Christ is in us that way. Others, others like us say, no, it's all a symbol. It just points us back to this reality that, that Christ nurtures us as bread and as juice or wine might do. It reminds us of the truth of his body, which was sacrificed for us, and his blood, which was spilt for us. These arguments still echo in the halls of theology, don't they? But I'd like to talk about that a little bit more next week. Here's my challenge to you. These are fun words, sorting out the metaphors and the parables and the teachings and the similes of Jesus, okay? Go home this week. Go home this week and look at John chapter 6. It's a long chapter, but look at all of it. Okay, this is your homework. Those of you who are in small groups, you'll get, you'll get guidance in the teaching this week on how to think about this or how to, how to walk through it at least. 
Study John chapter 6 as you go home. And think about what does it mean? What is Jesus saying about how he cares for those who come to the Lord? How he provides for those who believe in him? How he brings life to those who were once far away? And how he receives those who receive him? So go home. Read John chapter 6 and keep studying because here is... Here is what Jesus has told us. He's told us to repent, to turn away from all of our foolishness, all of our sins, all of our selfishness, all of our human ideas. Turn away from all that, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as, as we seek to understand more and more and more of what this kingdom of heaven is, what we need to remember is that we are sorting this out together, you and me. I don't have all the answers as I stand here, nor do you have all the answers as you sit there. But as we work together, Jesus does do something. The Spirit does do something in our midst to help us to understand what we need to understand so that we can live how we need to live and that we can do the work that Christ called us to. That is, to believe in the one who God has sent. Will you study this week? Read this week and come back next week to talk some more? I hope so. Can we pray together? Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us uh, your spoken word as you had through the ages to so many prophets, apostles, and to so many of your family. And Lord, thank you for giving us your written word in the scripture that we may read it and study it, wrestle with it and discuss it. Lord, help us and help me to be careful as we quote from it and teach about it. Lord, help us to be accurate as we describe what it says and what it means. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come to all of us this week and quicken us as we dive into this particular chunk of, of John chapter 6, as, as we try to wrestle with more of what does it mean for Christ to be the bread of life. Spirit, open our eyes. Help us to, to read and understand and then live it out. Thank you, God, for the hope that we have in you. And thank you, Lord, for sustaining us all the time. In the name of Jesus, who is the bread of life, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a closing song that is about Jesus Christ.